So there was this madman, he ran into a town He tried to warn the people, said the sky is falling down But ain't nobody listened, they mocked the joke radical born again I could not stay the same I mean I went from like before before that moment I was selling cigarettes on the yard and like doing stupid stuff that you do when you're in prison right and uh, and after that moment I'm like on my bunk reading the Bible praying smiling at people and everyone's like don't talk to Jesse because he finally snapped right <laughs> but, but it was just this radical Welcome back to the Shield of Hope podcast, Hope Speaks. We are joined today by Jesse Comrie. Jesse, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? Not too bad. Awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background life and growing up and how you really got into rap. Yeah. So, I mean, my my life was, was uh, very interesting. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents went to church. I mean, they, were, they weren't in ministry or anything, but they were active in the church. And, and, uh, and somehow that just didn't stick for me in my life. So I ended up going a completely different way. Uh, when I was an early teenager, 12, 13, I, I started, you know, just hanging out with the wrong crowd, drinking, smoking, and, and that led to a life of drug addiction, um, smoking weed, and that, that led to harder drugs, coke, and, and painkillers, and different things. And so that really became my life, um, revolved around getting high, getting money to get high, right? So I started selling drugs and, and really got into a lot of different criminality, I ended up getting convicted of some crimes and, and uh, did a, a few short short stints in, in jail and prison. And um, and so that was really my life. And, uh, and in that time, I would rap with my friends in parking lots just kind of for fun, but there was nothing behind it because I had no passion. My only passion was drugs, you know? Um, so when I got saved about 11 years ago, uh, actually in a prison chapel I had an encounter with Jesus radically changed my life I gave my life to him um, a couple weeks later I got out and my life just changed and so when my when, when when I fell in love with Jesus I had the passion behind it and so that's when I started writing I started uh, recording producing things and and uh, taking a little bit more seriously at that point so I put out a couple CDs and and yeah that's kind of how it all started do you mind talking about that moment that drastically changed your life? For sure. So it was my third time in. Um, I was in just on a, on a probation violation, but because my original crimes were, were severe, when I violated my probation, they put me in prison rather than jail. So even though it was only three weeks or whatever, I was in prison. Um, and so during one day, my, my cellmate actually invited me to go to the chapel with him. And, uh, and so I, I kind of just went because I had nothing better to do, to be honest. Like, I wasn't really expecting anything. I just had nothing better to do. So I went to the chapel. And, uh, and as I was in the chapel, no one talked to me. No one prayed for me. But there was just a band. They were playing worship music. And, and I was sitting in the chair. And I just started to think, like, I don't want this life anymore. Like, the, the, the drugs, the money, the, the, the crime, whatever. Like, I, I don't want it anymore. I want to be free. And in that moment of, of what I would call now repentance, right? Like I, I didn't call it that then. I didn't, I didn't really have that language. But in that moment of wanting to turn away from everything that was evil, everything that was bad, I just had this, this incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit where, where God just, I mean, he hit me like a truck. It was like lightning coursing through my entire body. And I was just having this very ecstatic experience with God. And, uh, and when I felt that manifest presence of God for the first time, uh, I just, I said, that's it. Like, that's, that's what I've been searching for my entire life. All the drugs, all, it, was, it was a cheap imitation of this, right? This is what I want. This is what I want to go after. 
And so when I had that encounter with him, I, I just, for whatever reason, I knew I had to get on my knees. So in front of like 40 felons or whatever, I dropped to my knees in this prison chapel during worship and I gave my life to Jesus. And, uh, and as I was on my knees in, in worship, just being reconciled with God, um, I, I had this vision of Jesus, right? And it, it was very simple. Like it wasn't like, I mean, it was just a very simple vision and it, and it wasn't anything that I had anticipated, right? I, I believed that there was God, but I thought he was, he hated me for sure. And I didn't think I liked him either, right? So, but there was nothing like that when I encountered God. I, I had this vision of Jesus. He said three words to me. He said, are you ready? He stretched out his hand. He said, are you ready? And that was, it was only an invitation. And so I said, yes, I said I was ready. And, uh, and I stood up and I was different. Like it was, it wasn't like, I never, I never like tried to be better. Like I never like found religion and tried to be better, right? It was, it was a radical encounter. I was born again. I could not stay the same. I mean, I went from like before, before that moment, I was selling cigarettes on the yard and like doing stupid stuff that you do when you're in prison, right? And, uh, and after that moment, I'm like on my bunk, reading the Bible, praying, smiling at people. And everyone's like, don't talk to Jesse because he finally snapped, right? <laughs> but, but it was just this radical life transformation uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how many years ago was that? That was 11 years ago. Okay, so you've been addiction-free for 11 years I've been addiction-free for 11 years. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say to somebody, though, that's in the process of like trying to change your life but just doesn't know how to get off it necessarily? Yeah. Um, for, for one thing, I would say... Uh, you know, people ask me the question a lot, why did you change so quickly? Um, because when I got out two weeks later, there was maybe a, a six, eight month period of, you know, I'd be good and then maybe I'd fall and then I'd, and then I'd repent and I'd be good. But, but my life really changed very rapidly. I mean, within a year I was in Bible college, president of my class, like just changed very rapidly. So people ask me that a lot because it's not everyone's experience. Um, and, and really the only thing that I know that I did, that I don't, I don't know that everyone does, um, is surrender. I mean, it's all about surrender. I think if you will really surrender your entire life to God and come to Him in that way, um, you know, nowadays I run a missions organization, I travel around the world, I get to see the church in different places, and, and I get to see the strengths and weaknesses of the church in different places. And, and the American church has a lot of strengths, but it has, a, it has some weaknesses as well, right? And, uh, and one of the challenges that I see in the American church is it's very easy to be a Christian, right? I mean, it's culturally acceptable. It doesn't cost you anything. So a lot of people, when you promise them this is going to give you joy, you know, this is going to be good for you, um, th there's no cost. Why not, right? But there's never that moment of life surrender. And until you have that moment, Growth doesn't happen. There's only freedom and surrender, right? And so for me, when I came to Jesus, my life was terrible. Like, it was, I mean, it was horrible. I was depressed. I, I, like, when I came to Jesus, it was like, God, I don't want this life. I don't know why you would want it, but take it. You know, take my future, take everything. And, and I think that's the attitude. That's, that's what Jesus calls us to over and over again in Scripture. It's to come and give everything. It's, it's to come and die. He says, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And so I think that that's a big thing that stunts growth is we're not taught and we don't learn to lose our lives for his sake. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I've yeah. heard from so many people that have 
not only converted but have grown up in the church as Christians or whatever, they're like, man, we thought this life living in Christ would be a lot easier. Yeah. You know, so for some reason people think that, oh, just because they accept God that God's going to bless them. I think it goes the opposite way. I think our lives get harder because we're more mm-hmm. confined to the rules and regulations that sometimes in the worldly, you know, worldly mm-hmm. order we don't necessarily have. Now imagine an organization that intentionally seeks out these kinds of situations. An organization that is so dedicated to the Great Commission that it willingly goes headfirst into the parts of the world that many are too scared to go to. Global Renewal is that organization. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about your uh, ministry yeah. and what you do. Churches in Africa, correct? I, well, we, we plant churches and do evangelism around the world. Around the world, um, okay. so, this last year was primarily in uh, in Kenya, Uganda, and uh, in Nepal. Um, so, but we do we do evangelism and church planting internationally. That's the focus. Yeah. Now, what what is the most inspirational story going around to those like to places that like I probably won't ever visit or like yeah. you know just have not. I've never actually been on an airplane. <laughs> oh wow! In my twenty three years of life, I've never been on an airplane, and I'm afraid of heights. So Are you afraid of flying? I'm afraid of flying. I, Actually, you got to get over that. You got to come with me on a trip. I'm falling. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to get you on a trip. You got to come with me. We, we okay. got to get over that one. Okay, I'll take you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, for I'll sure. For sure. Uh, but for what is the most incredible story that you've heard going to these places? That I've heard or experienced? Experienced or heard. Okay. Um, well, I, I really loved the, the church that we did in, this past July um, in Yumbe, Uganda. That trip was, was really a fun trip for me and God did a lot of amazing things on that on that trip. Um, my favorite testimony, just so you know, Yumbe Uganda is 90% Muslim. Um, and this is a place where, you know, people have tried to plant churches and not been successful. They've been chased out by the Muslims. I mean, even in this general area, people, pastors have been stoned in the last year. You know what I mean? And, and not in the city, but in that area by those people. Um, so this was, a, a, you know, not really knowing what to expect going in. You know, I'm willing to suffer for Christ if that's what it comes to. And, uh, but you never know what to expect. But God just did. He gave us favor with everything. He did, he did amazing things. And my favorite testimony was after the first day of ministry um, in Yumbe, we were on the bus. I had a team of 20 people with me. We were on the bus and we were heading back to the hotel for the night. And on the way back, we had we had like backpacks full of Bibles and stuff. So on the way back, I saw a tent on the left side of the road with a bunch of people sitting under it. So I told the bus driver, stop the tent. I want to talk to these guys. And uh, it was funny because my, my overseer in, in Uganda of the, of the churches there, he said, no, we can't stop here. We can't stop here. I, I looked to the bus driver. I said, listen, he's not paying you. And he's certainly not going to tip you at the end of this. <laughs> stop the bus, right? So, so the bus driver stops the bus and he, he lets me get out with two other guys. And so we walk up to these guys, Bibles in our hands and and, and I want to share Jesus with them. And as we start walking closer, I didn't know this was a, a tent for the Muslims to pray under. Like they had the prayer mats in the center. This was where they were gathered to pray and, and be together. And so we start walking towards this tent. And one of the guys sees the Bible in my hand. He starts yelling at me. He says, we don't like Christians. We don't want you here. We don't want your Bibles. And he starts being very aggressive towards us, right? And, uh, and so the funny thing is the two guys that got out of the bus with me, when he started yelling, they ran back to the bus and, and they were laughing later because they turned around and I was under the tent, right? And, and part of this is, is for me, like my mentality is my original crime. You have to understand before I, before I was with Christ, my original crime 
was I went into a drug dealer's house. I kicked his door and I beat him up. I took everything he had. Like, I was nuts. Like, if I can be nuts for the devil, I better be just as nuts for Jesus, right? So I'm going into the devil's, into the devil's house, kicking his door in and taking everything he has, right? And so we go into this Muslim prayer tent and I start preaching to these guys. And, uh, and the one guy that was really aggressive, and I have, I have it all on video, it's awesome. But the one guy that was really aggressive um, in the beginning, he, he was still yelling and interrupting and all this kind of stuff. So it became like I was preaching to him. Like I, I came around, I was just looking at him, I was preaching to him, right? Everyone else was listening. And, and, uh, and he started to soften, he started to open up. And as I shared my testimony, he said, is that true? He started to listen. So just then, their imam shows up. If you, if you don't know what that is, that's like the pastor of their mosque. It's the leader of their mosque, right? So he shows up in his beautiful blue dress and his nice hat, and he shows up and he stands in between me and his people. And so now there's like 50 Muslims listening to what I'm saying, and their imam shows up to like prove me wrong, like to argue with me, right, to debate me. And, and I was thankful that he was peaceful um, because it could have gone very differently, right? I mean, if he didn't want to be peaceful, he could have incited them to, to do whatever, to stone us or whatever. Um, but he was peaceful, but he did want to, he wanted to argue, he wanted to debate. So he got to the point where he wouldn't let me talk anymore. And the people wouldn't let me talk. There was, you know, 50 of them and, and a couple of us. So, um, so finally I said, listen, this is, this is pointless. I can't get a word out. I said, what I want you to let me do, and I'm asking you to let me do this. I said, give me five minutes, uninterrupted. Control your people, you know, control yourself, and, and give me five minutes to tell you what I believe. After that, you can answer. I'll leave, and you have all the time you want to convince them I'm wrong. But give me five minutes uninterrupted. So he agreed. So for five minutes, I preached my heart out under this Muslim prayer tent, right? Like, I went through the uh, I went through the, the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. I went through everything Jesus says about him in the book of Revelations. Like, like anything I could illustrate to show them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the way to God. He is the link to God. And I was preaching this to these guys under their tent. And, uh, and afterwards, after my five minutes were done, and by the way, so half of them, like the, the, the side over here, while I'm preaching, they start whispering, he's telling the truth, right? These are Muslims listening, he's telling the truth. This side over here is telling their imam to send me away because I'm confusing their brothers, right? So there's like, it's just crazy. And, and, uh, and as I'm preaching, I finish and I say, okay, go ahead, you can answer. But all I did was give scripture. So he really had nothing to argue against. I didn't give my opinion. I just gave scripture after scripture after scripture. So he really didn't have much to say. And after he talked for a couple of minutes, he let me take his hand under that Muslim prayer tent and pray for him in front of all those Muslims. And after I prayed for him, he said, we need Bibles. Can you bring us Bibles? The next day we brought them, I think about 40 Bibles. And, uh, and we passed them out to all the Muslims. And he said, this isn't enough. We need more Bibles. There's still people who don't have Bibles. So the next day we, we drove by again and they were all sitting outside the tents reading their Bibles. And it was, it was just an awesome experience to be That's able to incredible. do that. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Yeah. To me, like when you were painting the picture about like you, you're on this bus and you're driving and you just tell the bus driver to stop. Yeah. It's like the Good Samaritan story. Yeah. That's why it has that vibe to like, because I'm, I'm being a, a director and like a filmographer, I like to picture when people are telling stories, like, you know, that like seeing the scene and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, but like that, the uh, parable in the Bible about the Good Samaritan. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's so awesome. That, that's amazing. Yeah. It felt very much like a book of action moment. It was my favorite moment of the whole trip. And Good. so we're, we're still in contact with that imam, too. And uh, we're praying that he gets saved in the whole in the whole village with him. Going a little bit into the rap side of things. Yeah. Who is, who is or was your favorite artist? Um, 
I have different favorites for different reasons, I guess. Um, I would say lyrically, uh, my favorite artist right now would be NF, as far as, um, I mean, I think lyrically, he's a genius. Um, But, you know, as far as message-wise, I would lean towards more maybe old Lecrae stuff. Um, where it really just pumps that gospel out, and uh, and so I really appreciate the messages and that stuff. Um, so I guess I have different different favorites for different reasons. To be honest, I listen primarily to worship music. <laughs> so I listen to rap, but but I'd say probably twenty percent rap and eighty percent worship music. So, yeah. <laughs> Last question. Yeah. It's a new decade starting. Yeah. Okay. It's a new year, new everything. Okay. Yeah. With, with January. Yeah. Coming. What is your goal in 2020 and beyond? Yeah. Well, well, we want to see. I mean, as a goal, as a goal, whether, it's, whether it's personal or whether it's personal, whether it's physical. Like, what is your overall goals? Like, where do you see whether it's your ministry? Yeah. Or just like your mindset? Where Where you want to be by the end of 2020? Yeah. Um, personally, I, I am desperate for more of Jesus. Um, I am desperate to know Him more. And, uh, and, and I want to fast like I've never fasted and pray like I've never prayed this year. That's my personal goal. I just want to press in uh, to his presence and, and to intimacy with him because, um, you know, there, there's two things I'm passionate about. It's knowing him and making him known, right? And, and I want to know him. I want to know everything I can know about him. Um, so that's my personal goal. And, and I really have a lot of goals set for this next year towards that, right? Uh, ministerially, um, we want to see church planting multiplication movements. Um, so we want to see a movement of movements started around the world. Um, so we have movements starting in Uganda and starting in Kenya and starting in Nepal. And, and uh, we're praying towards a couple other countries. And, and we really want to see this movement of movements of, of really rapidly multiplying evangelistic churches started. Um, around the world, so we're we're on a, we're on a good a good path towards that. You know, this past year we we planted um, twelve churches in three different nations, um, and so we want to see those churches this year grow and prepare people to send out and multiply. Um, so this year is really the focus is on growing the churches we've planted. We already have several church plants planned as well. I mean, we're never going to stop planting, but. Uh, the focus is more on growing those church plants, seeing them become solid, seeing them raise up disciples to be able to be sent out, um, and really creating that DNA. In our life.